Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Now he's going back to the beginning of the Tanya. He started out right at the beginning. Look at him. At the uh, very first opening page of the Tanya, he says the entire Tanya is based on the verse in Deuteronomy, the parsha of Nitzavim. And Moshe tells the Jewish people, "Kikarav elecha, adavar ma'oid b'ficha v'vavcha l'aseisa." That being Jewish is something that's very close. B'ficha in your mouth to speak as a Jew, v'vavcha to think as a Jew. And and to act as a Jew. And the question that the Rebbe asked is that we see that it's not it's not so. How can you say it's so easy, and it's so simple, and it's so self-evident, so obvious and easy for each and every Jew to live a Jewish lifestyle? We know how difficult it is, especially. When you interpret Ubulvavcha referring to not only thought, but also with heart, with feeling. To not only to do the mitzvah, it's one thing to force yourself to do the mitzvah. Okay, a person can discipline himself, to force himself. But to actually have a feeling for Judaism, to actually love it. And this is something that's close to each and every Jew. How is it possible? It's so difficult. So he says, based on what we explained earlier in the previous chapter, that, that the, there is a love, an awareness, and a love that each and every Jew could cultivate. Because it doesn't have to be a full-fledged love. It's a love that's concealed and in a state of pregnancy, whereas a child is, is in the mother's womb. Not a full-fledged love where your heart is on fire, but a love which is in the mind. That the mind makes a, a, a judgment, and the mind leans towards leading a godly life. That there's a certain emotional judgment that a person makes based on your understanding that you should behave in a certain way. And because, as he explained in the previous chapter, the essence of a Jew's life, of every Jew's life, of the Benini, is that a person has to overcome his nature. You can't just live your life and just do what's natural. This is contrary to contemporary psychology and contrary to what's politically correct. But this is the secret for a satisfying life. It's no wonder why, although we're living in the most affluent generation in history, yet there's so much inner psychic misery, inner misery. Because when a person just leads a life, it's natural. You just do what's natural, what's comfortable. Follow every instinct, follow every, every impulse, follow every urge. Just do what's natural. You feel like it and you feel up to it, then act on it. If you don't feel like it, you have to be genuine. You have to be authentic. If you're mad, be authentic. 
If you don't feel loving, be authentic. Don't act like be, be genuine. And people really live their lives based on this, on this approach. The whole essence of Judaism, the whole essence of Torah and mitzvah is the exact opposite. Don't just follow your instinct. Don't follow every impulse. Don't follow every urge. Don't just do what's natural. It's mediocre. It's superficial. It's external. It will never, ever satisfy you. On the contrary, a person has to have an awareness. When you have an awareness, an understanding of godliness, and your mind tells you that, that there is a truth, a bedrock, that's your rock of Gibraltar, it's unshakable. It's real, whether you feel it, you don't feel it. This is reality. Hashem is reality. Hashem is, that is our reality. There is no other reality, that is the truth. And although I don't feel it, and I don't experience it, and I perhaps even find it difficult to relate to it, but it doesn't change the reality. The reality is that Hashem is. This is reality. And therefore, your mind tells you that go contrary to your nature, to your impulse, to your urge. Follow this truth. Lead a life that's consistent with this truth. So your heart is not on fire. So it doesn't feel natural. You don't feel a passionate love for God. But it doesn't change the truth and the reality. And if this is the truth, this is the reality, let me act in a way that's consistent with that truth. And that's the road to happiness. The road to happiness is leading a life that's based on truth, on reality. Where the mind is in control of the heart, not vice versa. Where the mind illuminates and lights up and the, and, and the heart follows the mind. So impulse, urge, spontaneity, per se, is not enough. A person has to, you have to build your life on something much deeper. You have to build your life on a truth, on an awareness, and an understanding. It doesn't change or sway with your emotions, with your moods, ups and downs. It's based on reality, and therefore you can live a life that's consistent with that truth. In your high moments and your low moments, you don't change, you're consistent. You always act morally. You think morally and you speak morally. Whether I'm in the mood, I'm not in the mood. It doesn't change that bedrock. And when you remove that bedrock, it's no wonder why people feel like they're swaying in the wind. There's absolutely no substance. There's no root. There's no foundation. There's no cornerstone. It's just you're buffeted by... by you, you blow with the wind. But for a Jew, a Jew has to build his life, base his life on an inner truth and an inner awareness that's based on understanding that overcomes or controls your emotion and leads to the minimum, at least an emotion, at least the beginning of an emotion, the pregnancy of an emotion, the conception of an emotion, which is in the mind, that your mind tells you, you know, I ought to live my life and build my life based on this truth even if it goes against my nature. But if this is the truth and this is real, then th- this, is, this is the way I ought to live. And I ought to think and speak and act accordingly. So this is the foundation of the Benini. The Benini, the mission, the challenge for every human being, the challenge is to overcome your nature. Nature alone is mediocrity. What's nature? You can't eat nature. 
God gives us wheat, but we have to transform it into bread. It's raw. Nature is raw. If you leave it as is, it's raw. You have to develop it through effort, awareness, consciousness, which all originates with the mind. And you can develop a love, at least an awareness, at least the conception of a love. It's not the full birth of a love. It's not the full blown love where your heart is on fire. Because perhaps you don't have, you don't have that capacity. Because you don't feel passionate about anything in your life. It's not like I feel passionate about my business. I feel passionate about my spouse. When it comes to godliness, I don't feel passionate. Maybe I'm just not a passionate person. I, I'm just not so excitable and I don't feel passionate. I don't feel these deep emotions, these intense emotions. I just, I'm not a passionate person. Maybe I don't have the capacity to feel that passion. And most people don't. But every human being has the capacity to develop at least the conception of an emotion, at least the beginning of an emotion, which is the emotions the way they are included in the mind, where the mind makes a, has a clear understanding and, and makes a resolve that I lean towards in this direction, that I ought to act godly and act in a way that's consistent with who I am. And then he said that Hashem, this is what the rabbis hint at, when the rabbis say that if a, if a person has a good intention to do a mitzvah and he doesn't get a chance to do the mitzvah, Hashem will... Consider it as if you've done it. But the language hints at something more than that. The language, it, should, it should have said, toiva, good thought, my kilo asa. Hashem will consider it as, as if it's done, as if you've done. You tried to get to the minion, you couldn't make it, Hashem will count it as if you've done it. It's not what, it, it's not what the language says. The language says, toiva, good thought, Hashem mitzarfa, connects it to action. Connection means there's two things that you connect. That means there is action and there is thought. But they're disconnected. And Hashem comes along and connects the two. So the rabbis are hinting at something deeper here. Not only a case where a person had an intention to a mitzvah and he couldn't do it and Hashem will give him the reward as if he's done it. We're talking about a case where there is action and there is a thought. And the two, by nature, are disconnected. Because thought is intellectual, it's abstract. Action is physical, material. So if a Jew has a love, the Rebbe says, the, the, the Talmud is referring to a Jew who has an intellectual type of love. Not a fiery love, a passionate love. When you have a passionate love, then the love is directly connected to the action. The actions are alive. The speech are alive. When you give a speech about something you care deeply about, the words are alive. You're passionate. The action is alive. You come alive. But when, when a Jew just has an intellectual understanding, and he does the mitzvah based on that intellectual understanding and based on that emotional leaning. The action is limp, lifeless. It's not alive, it's not vital, it's not passionate. Until Hashem comes along and Hashem says, I will connect the two. I will consider it as if you've done the action with tremendous life and vitality. Because it's so precious to Hashem. When a Jew is able to overcome his nature, when a Jew is able to break his nature, a Jew doesn't have the ability to inflame his heart to the fiery, passionate love. When a Jew is able to overcome his nature, every time we overcome our nature, we don't have a natural inclination towards godliness. On the contrary, nature abhors a vacuum. When you don't have a natural inclination towards godliness, your, your, your nature pulls you in a different direction. 
So your heart is pulling you in a different direction. You can easily go in a different direction. And yet, you overcome that nature, that natural inclination, and you do the right thing based on your, your idea, based on your mind and the hidden emotion in your mind. Hashem sees deep inside your heart. And Hashem sees how deep-rooted it is. How deep down a Jew, a Jew's heart is always on fire. Even if you don't feel it. You're not conscious of it. But deep down, our soul is on fire. We are on fire. And the fact that we overcome our nature, this is such an act of love. It only comes from our love for Hashem. So it's so deep and so profound, we're not even conscious of it. But the fact that we're not conscious of it on a human level, Hashem is conscious. Hashem sees the whole picture. Hashem sees deep down inside. So only Hashem could look deep down inside a Jew's heart and see that when a Jew does a mitzvah, even if he doesn't feel it, the mitzvah, it's a fiery mitzvah. The Jew is on fire. He doesn't feel it. doesn't experience it. But since the Jew is doing the best that he can, He's lighting up his mind. He's engaging his mind. He's meditating. He's thinking about it. He's engaging his mind to the best of his ability. And he develops a love to the best of his ability. It's a cold love. It's an intellectual love. It's, it's the conception of a love, the conceiving of a love. It doesn't reach the stage of birth. It doesn't reach the stage of a full-fledged, fiery love. But he's doing the best that he can. And based on that, he overcomes his nature and rises above his nature and doesn't follow his urge, his instinct, his impulse, but follows his... His, his, his idea is understanding and does the right thing and does the godly thing consistently, 24-7, throughout the day, thinks like a Jew, dismisses any thought that's not Jewish, that's immoral and ethical, dismisses any speech that's a lie or that's, or that's, or that's immoral and unethical, and dismisses any behavior, any action that's immoral and ethical, and engages his entire being in studying Torah and doing mitzvot 24-7. Not because his heart is on fire, his heart is not on fire. But based on this idea of God, Hashem sees how sincere it is, how genuine it is, how authentic it is. And if Hashem makes the connection, and it considers it as if the mitzvah is a fiery mitzvah, a passionate mitzvah, and the mitzvah soars, and ele- is elevated, and it elevates you in the process. Hashem sees the spirituality inside the mitzvah, even though we don't feel it, we don't detect it, we're not conscious of it. Because on the conscious level, we don't feel any fiery love. But Hashem sees the inner heart of a Jew and sees how deep down the Jewish heart is on fire. And so in other words, when, I, when the Torah tells a Jew to do something and not to do something, the Torah is not just telling us to act unnaturally. The Torah is not telling us to go contrary to our true being. And it seems like so unnatural. Living a life where you're always going against your nature, against your urge, against your impulse, against your instinct, and dedicate your whole life, the rest of your life, you're going to be living a life that seems to be contrary to your nature. But the truth is, it's not so. When the Torah tells a Jew to do a mitzvah, or to do, to do the right thing, or when the Torah tells a Jew to avoid a prohibition, what the Torah is really telling them, that deep down, this is what you want to do. Deep down, this is what you want to do. This is the real you. This is your real nature. It's an inner nature. It's a more subtle nature. But deep down, you want to do the right thing. And nothing less will satisfy you. Because the moment you do the wrong thing, you'll, 
feel regret. That's why Jews are f- filled with guilt, always guilt-ridden. Because deep down, when you do the wrong thing, you're going against, you're violently going against, contrary to your own nature, your own inner nature. See, even though you don't feel it, and you're not in touch with it, and you don't experience it, it doesn't change the reality. The reality is that deep down, we do, we do want to do the right. And deep down, we don't want to do the wrong. And therefore, when you live a life that's consistent with that, when your actions are consistent with who you are deep down, that is the only wholesome way to live. And that is the only satisfying way to live. And a genuine way to live. And this is a revolutionary understanding of Torah and mitzvot, because the classical understanding of mitzvot, based on the great rabbis, the Chinuch, one of the first codifiers of the mitzvot, he basically explains that the mitzvot are basically on a strictly bevorial level. We have bevorial psychology, and this is the first, the source of bevorial psychology. That a person is influenced by his actions. As the Chinuch says, you can have a person who has the heart of a gangster. And yet, if he forces himself to act kindly, and will smile to everyone, and to say a kind word to everyone, and give tzedakah, share his wealth, you know, after a few years, they'll end up being a very nice person. And vice versa, you can have a person who has a heart of gold, but they pretend, they act, to be cruel, mean, demeaning. You know, after a while, they will truly become cruel, meaning, and, and horrible people. Because a person is influenced by his actions. So based on this understanding of, of Torah mitzvot, Torah mitzvot is like there's a big difference between the tzaddik, and the average Jew, the Benini, 99.9%, the rest of us. It's like a difference between Beethoven playing music and your little kid playing music, or us playing music. Yes, they're both sitting at the piano and <laughs> they're both playing music, but how could you compare? Mozart, how could you compare to us amateurs playing music and to Mozart? So how could you compare the tzaddik, the tzaddik, one in a million, whose soul is on fire, who's holy, the saint, Rabbi Shimon Bayechoy, who said that there's one in a the, the generation, it's me, one, one, in the whole generation, one in 14 million. How could you compare Rabbi Shimon Bayechoy putting on tefillin and all of us putting on tefillin? Him giving tzedakah and us giving tzedakah. How could you compare? Yes, externally we're doing the same thing. But that's where the comparison ends. Internally there's no comparison. Now, if you took someone who has, who's tone deaf, who has no musical appreciation, if you were to drill into them every single day, they woke up in the morning, the first thing they did, they banged out a few notes in the piano. Before they sat down for breakfast, after breakfast they would sit and play a little music. When they sat down for lunch, they would sit and play a little music. They would stop in the middle of the day and for 15 minutes they would hear music. And at night they would, they would sit down to music. 
And once a week they would have a huge concert of music. And, and this was mandatory. It was discipline. Day in, day out. Every single day you try to make music part of your life. You know, something is going to sink in. Something. The person, if you won't develop, fully develop a musical taste, something inevitably has to sink in. And that's the classical understanding of Judaism. Judaism is religion. So you have the one in a thousand, one in a million personalities like a religious genius, a religious personality. He's on fire. He's drunk with ungodliness. Un- un- He's consumed with godliness. Hashem is so real to him or to her. This is, this is a special soul. It's like, it's like a spiritual Mozart. Spiritual Einstein. It's a genius. It's one, one in a million. Versus the rest of us that have no natural religious instinct. We can go through our entire life and just never even thinking about it. So the Torah tries to force us, to discipline us, to make it a part of our daily life. If every single day from the moment you wake up, you're putting on the tefillin and, and you, you're making a bracha. And you're doing all of these actions and all these activities and behavior. And something has to seep in. We can look at ourselves and many people and maybe it doesn't sink in too much, but it doesn't change us too much. We, we go through all these behavior activities and yet we still are not thinking about Hashem and still are not refined and still are not moral, ethical and spiritual. But inevitably something has to sink in. If you think this person is bad now, can you imagine if he didn't have all of his behavior? He would have been the total... It's like you see someone coming out of the doctor, someone carrying out a, a Park Avenue doctor. You see him carrying out, walking away in a wheelchair. You think to yourself, this is a doctor? Someone leaves his office in a wheelchair. Yes, but you didn't see him how he came into the office. He came into the office on a stretcher. So he walked in and said, this doctor is a miracle worker. He came out in a wheelchair. So without Torah mitzvahs, we would have been bandits. Who knows who we would have been? So Hashem gave us Torah mitzvahs. So you see this Jew, you don't see anything spiritual or refined. Think to yourself, if he didn't have any of this discipline, didn't have any Shabbos, any Yantiv, any Tefillin, any mention of Hashem, who knows what kind of bandit he would have been? He could have been a murderer. Who knows what he would have ended up with? But, you know, that's not too inspiring. And, but if that's the change that's affected, it's a very superficial, it's very external. And even after a lifetime of music, we'll never even come close to a Mozart. Even if you practice for a thousand years and you make music part of your daily life, you, if you're not a Mozart, you, just, you don't have it in you. You just don't have it in you. You can develop a little, a little appreciation, a little more musical appreciation, but that's about it. So the gap between the tzaddik and every Jew is, 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 a, is a grand canyon. But here the Torah is saying, and Hashem is speaking to each and every Jew, equally, to be Jewish is something that is very near and very dear and close to your heart. And it's the most natural thing in the world for each and every Jew. So obviously, there is an inner, a Jew has an inner connection to being Jew. It's not just an external connection. It's not just behavior. Forcing yourself to act religious, to develop a certain religious sensitivity. No. There's something much deeper going on. Every Jew has an inner connection to something Jewish. So much so that any Jew and every Jew could even develop a love that leads you 
to live a Jewish life, a consistent, wholesome Jewish life in thought, speech, and action. To be 100% Jewish. And this is something that's not just addressed to the tzaddik, this is addressed to each and every Jew. So if each and every Jew has an inner life, then Torah mitzvot is something that's near and dear to each and every one of us. The question is, how can we say that each and every Jew has an inner connection, an inner life, an inner awareness, an inner feeling towards godliness, towards Torah mitzvot? So he says, based on what we learned in the previous chapter, now it makes sense. Because we learned that the inner life that we're discussing is not a full-fledged inner life. If it's a full-fledged inner life, that, that's, that belongs to the tzaddik. That's only in the realm of the tzaddik. A tzaddik has totally transformed his inner core and essence. Or the higher level of the benini, who has the ability to develop fiery, passionate love for Hashem. But that's not the inner life he's discussing. The inner life that he's discussing is the inner life of the mind, where a Jew can develop an awareness through hard effort. You can change. You can develop an awareness. You can study. You can learn. And you can meditate and reflect and focus and concentrate until you develop an inner sense. You have a clear, clear idea, a clear concept, a clear picture. And based on that, you can even develop at least a cold emotion, an intellectual emotion. You can conceive the beginning, the, con- the conception of the emotion. You can develop an inclination. I ought to love this. I don't, but I ought to. This is the right thing. This is the wise thing. This is the wholesome thing. This is good for me. Even though I don't feel it, my heart is not pumping and I don't, it's not palpable, but my mind tells me, and I have enough clarity of mind to understand it very deeply, that this is the right way to live. The right way to live is not to follow your natural instincts and passions and urges and just to be bumped along by external circumstances. The right way to live is find the truth, build your life on that truth, lead a life that's consistent with that truth. And what is that truth? The ultimate truth, the absolute truth, the only truth. Reality is Hashem. And if you live a life that's constantly plugged in and connected with Hashem throughout your life, 24-7, consistently, in thought, and speech, and action, on a daily basis, on a consistent basis, then your life is real. And ultimately satisfying and wholesome. A life without regrets. A life you can be proud of. A life, yes, it took struggle, it it takes effort, overcoming your nature and overcoming your natural instincts. But it's, this is, that's darkness and this is light. Nature, per se, is darkness. Because it's not the truth. It's not reality. It's not what I really want deep down inside. There's a deeper nature, an inner nature, that knows better. Your inner voice. And if you follow your life, if you follow that inner voice, and you lead a life, you follow your conscience, and you lead a life, and overcome that nature, and rise above your nature, and overcome that difficulty, and overcome that struggle, and overcome that test, you feel like a million dollars. And your life is real. And your life is substantial. And truthful. And genuine. And consistent. And wholesome. And satisfying. And rewarding. And healthy. Because when you lead a life that's full, full of regrets, it leads to illness. Because when you lead a life and inside you feel horrible about yourself. 
and you, you, you regret your actions, and you regret your behavior, and you regret your, your, your weakness, then you're conflicted inside. And directly leads to unhealth. But when you feel good inside, and you feel whole inside, and you lead a life that's wholesome and consistent, you're healthy. You're healthy. You're vibrant. You're alive. You're vital. So this is the only decent way to live. And we have enough, enough presence of mind, enough awareness to be aware of this. And to decide to build my life accordingly. So even though it's a cold decision, it's a cold love, it's not a fiery love, a passionate love, but it's strong enough to change my behavior and to help me overcome my nature. And it's genuine. And Hashem looks deep down outside of our heart and He connects it with the action because He sees how much heart and soul we are pouring into this action even though we are not conscious of it. How genuine it is, how authentic it is, how deep it is, how profound it is. That you are able to overcome your nature. How much love, how much caring, how deep you are caring for Hashem is you are able to overcome your nature and do the right thing. And how difficult the struggle was. And how precious it is. So therefore, this is something that each and every Jew could develop. Each and every Jew could develop an inner life. It's very near and dear for each and every Jew. Not only to do the right thing, but to do it with a love. With, a, with an inner, inner feeling, an inner connection. So Torah mitzvah, it's not just the way the classical understanding of Torah mitzvah is all about behavior. Behavioral change, which is external. It doesn't really get into the inside, doesn't really affect you. And the amount of religiosity it's going to develop inside of you is very, very limited. But the Torah is saying that each and every Jew deep down has an inner feeling, an inner connection for Torah and mitzvah. Could develop an inner life where the mitzvot are done with vitality, with concentration, sincerity. There's something inner, there's something that helps the mitzvah soar, that refine you. And the mitzvot are refined, they're edel, they're refined, they're uplifting, inspiring, they're moving, they're, and they change you. And you are changed in the process. And this is something that's approachable, accessible to each and every Jew. So it's only now, after we've had the introduction of paragraph 6, chapter 16, now we get, and we can finally begin to understand this verse, which is the whole foundation of Tanya, we can finally begin to understand this verse, 2.37. With this explanation that even a fear and love of God, which remain concealed in one's mind and heart, suffice to infuse one's fulfillment of the commandments with vitality, thereby perfecting and elevating them, we will understand the verse, for this thing is very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. The commentaries discuss whether this verse refers to Teshuvah. When he says, this thing is very near, what's this thing referring to? Some commentaries say that it's referring to Teshuvah. That previously he discussed the mitzvah of Teshuvah. That to do Teshuvah, to repent, <coughs> is very near to you. But many commentaries, most commentaries, say no, that it's referring to Torah and mitzvah. Moshe is saying that this thing, to fulfill all 613 mitzvot, is something that's very near and dear to you. Continue. The verse states that it's easy for one to fulfill Torah mitzvot with all three garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action. The words, with your mouth, refer to speech, with your heart, to thought, and that you may do it, refers to action. 
In a deeper sense, however, your heart refers not only to the power of thought, but also to the heart as a seat of the emotions, love, fear, and so on. The verse is telling us then that it is within easy reach of every Jew to fulfill the mitzvot with a feeling of awe and love of God. Concerning this, the Alter Rebbe poses a question. There's a question that's asked. The sequence in the verse, it seems out of sequence. He says speech, then he says thought, and then action. Makes no sense. Either thought, speech, action, or action, speech, thought. Th uh, speech, thought, an action. And the explanation that's given is because Bilvavcha, as we just read, is not just thought. It's also heartfelt. It also refers to a love, to do the mitzvah, do with love. But in order for a person to develop a love for Hashem, you must start out with Ficha, which refers to with your mouth, which refers to the studying of Torah. Because without study of Torah, without awareness, how can you develop a love? You can't develop a love before you, have, before you study. There's no study, there's no knowledge, then there's no awareness. And if there's no awareness, there's no, there's no thought and there's no, there's no feeling. So this is, this is the sequence. The sequence is first with Ficha, first the Jew has to study Torah. When you have the knowledge, you have the knowledge base and you have the information, then you can you can meditate on it, you can become aware of it, which takes effort, but at least you have something to work with. If there's no knowledge, there's no information, you have nothing to work with. You can be very intelligent, but you just, you just don't know. So the first thing is you have to deal with the ignorance. You have to learn. When you learn and study, then you can start internalizing it, start making sense of it, and thinking about it, reflecting on it. And then that leads to, to developing a feeling in the heart, which leads to action. Okay, so the Alter Rebbe asks, concerning this... Concerning this, the Alter Rebbe poses a question at first glance. The statement that this thing is very near to you, in your heart, seems contrary to our experience. In our experience, we find that it is no simple feat to acquire a spirit of love and fear of God. We don't have to look far. We can just look in the mirror, look into our own experience. We know how difficult it is to do the right thing. It's such a struggle. It's an uphill battle. To say, oh, it's no big deal. It's close. To you. Something very close, very dear, very near. No big deal. No big deal. Close. Look how far it is. Look how remote it is. And look, so many people struggle to relate to it. They can't even relate to it. Dogma, religion, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and do this and do this and so many laws and rules. It's so difficult for people to even relate to it, to connect with it. How could you say it's something that's so natural and so easy and so close and so dear and near? It doesn't say easy, but it's so close and so near. It goes contrary to our experience. And if you're going to want to answer, perhaps you're going to want to say that perhaps... The part of Ubil Vavcha, that part only applies to the generation of Moshe. The part, Torah mitzvot are eternal. That goes without saying. The obligation, the mitzvah, the practical mitzvah, the 613 mitzvot are eternal. They're applicable to all Jews. 
But perhaps that part where Moshe says that not only is every Jew is it in the realm of possibility for each and every Jew to fulfill all 630 mitzvahs, but every Jew has the ability to fulfill 630 mitzvahs with heart, with feeling, perhaps that only refers to his generation. And although for all future generations it's not close to us, it's very difficult, but nevertheless, a Jew, Hashem asks of a Jew to do the impossible, as we learned earlier in that Torah portion. It says, it says, Moshe says, if Hashem would ask us to climb to heaven to fulfill mitzvot, we should be ready to climb to heaven to fulfill mitzvot. So perhaps, yes, being Jewish is climbing heaven. It's so far and so remote and so abstract and it's so difficult and we can't relate to it and we can't connect with it. But a Jew has to be ready even to, do, even to do the difficult thing. So perhaps Moshe was not speaking to all future generations. Perhaps Moshe was just speaking for his generation. That for his generation, the gener- Moshe's peers, the generation that experienced the ten plagues, that experienced the splitting of the sea, that experienced prophecy, experienced Mount Sinai, that experienced the miracles of the manna and the clouds of glory and 40 years of, of non-stop miracles, that generation, that holy generation of which the Torah was written of, they, to them, being Jewish and living like a Jew, was something that's very dear and near. But for the rest of us, perhaps it's not dear. No, who promised, who said it's going to be easy? Whoever says that it's something that's something we can easily relate to and connect with? Dr. Rebbe says, no, we can't say that. Why? Continue. Yet the Torah is eternal. Hence, it could not refer only to Moses' generation, a generation of understanding, but must hold true for our own age as well. Every word in the Torah is eternal. So if the Torah says that being Jewish, Moshe is speaking, not only to his generation, he's speaking to us, 2007, that each and every Jew, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what circumstances you find yourself, no matter what your age is, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your experiences are, to be Jewish and to think like a Jew and to speak like a Jew and to act like a Jew consistently 24-7, to live a vibrant Jewish life with an inner feeling, not just, not just robotically, to force yourself like a zombie and, and to force yourself joyously and um, joylessly and just to go force yourself and to go through the motion. No, Moshe is saying that for a Jew to be a vibrant Jew, a heartfelt Jew, an inner Jew, to have an inner life as a Jew and to feel proud of being Jewish and to feel connected and to be able to relate to being Jewish and to love it and to want it 24-7, it's something that's near and dear for each and every Jew without exception. The question is, it goes contrary to our experience. How can, how can you say that? Yes, yeah. yeah. That generation was a mess. It was a mess? Well, as a wise man once said, from their sins the Torah was written. Okay. From our mitzvah, no one is writing any Torah. <laughs> so they were giants. They were Moshe's contemporaries and peers. They were the head of the Jewish people. We are one living organism. We are the souls of the feet. The most insensitive, the angel of death within the organism. And they were the brain of the Jewish people. So... <laughs> We are the midgets standing on the shoulders of giants. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because uh, Hashem was very strict with them, because they were, they were so great. They did everything. They were so great. They, they did a lot right, but the <laughs> smallest thing they did wrong had such an impact, because they were so great. We, we, we barely make a ripple. So Hashem wouldn't they, be shocked with us. But they, they, they have such a deep impact, because they were so great. 
So let's, you know, when we talk about the sins of our ancestors, we should put everything into perspective. <laughs> you know. Okay, continue. In our experience, we see that it is not a very near thing to change one's heart from worldly desires to a sincere love of God, for by nature one is inclined toward the former. And, as is written in the duties of the heart, desires for worldly pleasures are unable to dwell in the heart together with the love of God. In order to attain a love of God, therefore, it is necessary for one to change his nature from one extreme to the other. By no means an easy matter. In other words, he can't say, you know, let me, I love, I love godliness, godly <laughs> things, and I love material things. And they'll, call, they'll live together, side by side. Let's make peace. Why does it have to be one or the other? But he said, it's impossible. If you are going to follow your nature and your instincts, then you cannot tap into your godly experience. You can't develop a godly, a rich inner godly life. Something has to give. Godliness is like fire, like a flame. In order for the flame to catch, something has to give. Something has to burn. If nothing gives, if nothing is consumed, there's no room, there's no energy. In order to burn, something has to give. No, de- no deposit, no return. Something has to give. Something has to, you have to, the material has to give up of itself in order to be transformed into energy. You can't have matter and energy at this simultaneously. If matter is ready to give itself up, then you can transform it into energy. So you have to give up your nature. And you have to rise above your nature. You have to work with your nature. You have to elevate yourself. You have to change. If you're ready to change, then you can reveal the godliness inside of you and you can develop a rich inner life. But if you're not ready to compromise, to sacrifice, you're not ready to change and to overcome, you just want everything to be natural and easy, you can't develop a a solid, substantial inner life, a godly life. So so if if you have to overcome your nature, that's very difficult. How can you say that every Jew could relate to this and every Jew could connect with this and every Jew could develop a rich inner life with a love for godly things and for godliness? And we're talking about down-to-earth Jews. We're not talking about saints, holy saints, rabbis, mystics, scholars. We're saying this is a program for every single Jew. 100% for all Jews. And we see know how difficult it is, even under the best of circumstances. So how do you understand this? And he makes the question even, even greater. Indeed, commenting on Moses' statement, what does God ask of you but to fear him, the Talmud queries, is fear of heaven a small matter? This indicates, as the Rebbe points out, that even in Moses' generation, and surely in subsequent generations, it was no simple matter to acquire a fear of God. Moshe says, what's Hashem asking of you after all? He's addressing his generation right before he passes away. All he's asking for you of you is you should fear Hashem. So the Talmud asks, wonders, all Hashem is asking of us is to fear Him? That's all he's asking? As if that's nothing? That's no big deal? Look how difficult it is. As Rabbi Yochanan Mezaki, we learned many times, said on his deathbed, told his students, when there's a stranger in the room, we'll behave in a certain way. We're self-conscious, we're aware. We won't do certain things. When no one is in the room, no big deal, we'll do things. But Hashem is here. Hashem is so insignificant. His presence is so meaningless and so insignificant to us that, that a stranger, a nobody, a shmendrik, has more reality to us than Hashem himself. That's how little Hashem is real to us. It's so abstract, it's so otherworldly, it's so like 
not in our consciousness. It's so not real. And that's what fear of Hashem is. Hashem should at least, minimally, be at least as real as the Shemendrik in the room. So he's, so he's saying, all Hashem is asking of you is you should fear Him, as if that's, that's a trivial thing, as if that's a light thing. It's a trifle. We know how difficult it is to come. So the Talmud says, the Talmud is astonished on this statement, even in reference to Moshe's generation. How much more to our generation? Because when he says that it's close for each and every Jew to feel, to develop an inner life and to relate and to connect with their Jewishness and therefore lead a Jewish lifestyle, a Jew has to develop both a sense of fear of Hashem and a sense of love of Hashem. The sense of fear of Hashem will help you overcome, check your instincts, help overcome your nature, not to violate, transgress a prohibition, not to do something that's immoral, unethical, do something that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing And the love of Hashem will motivate you to push yourself to do the right thing, even though it's difficult for you to do. Overcome your hesitation, your laziness, overcome and push yourself to do the right thing. So a Jew needs both. He needs awe and he needs love. But if the Talmud says that awe of Hashem, fear of Hashem, was difficult, even in the times of Moses, how much more so in our generation? How difficult it is for us to develop a sense of Hashem's reality, a sense of Hashem's presence. And how much more so, continuing. And if this is true of fear of God, then how much more so? A love of God for fear of God is generally more easily attainable than love of God. Thus, not only our experience, but also this quotation from the Talmud seems to contradict the verse which states that fear and love of God are very near to you. See, if you don't have confidence in your own experience, the Talmud itself verifies it. The Talmud itself uh, seconds, it, seconds the motion and says, whom are we kidding? To develop an inner sense of Hashem's reality, to fear Hashem. How much more so? The love is so much more difficult. Fear is much more natural, it's instinctive. Much more instinctive than love. To develop a love of Hashem takes tremendous effort. They should have a feeling for godliness, an attraction towards godliness, a yearning for godliness. It takes much more effort. Because a Jew by nature senses Hashem, we believe in Hashem, and therefore it's, it's easier to, it's not easy, but it's easier to develop a sense of Hashem's presence, Hashem's reality. But to develop a love for Hashem, a feeling for Hashem, attraction for Hashem, that's so much more difficult. So if in the generation of Moshe the Talmud says it was difficult, how much more so in our generation? A generation of, of, of spiritual midgets. How much more so is it in our generation that it's so difficult for us to relate, to connect, to develop that inner life, to have an inner feeling towards godliness, towards godly things, to Torah and the Jewish lifestyle. Moreover, our sages also said that only tzaddikim have control over their hearts to arouse a love and fear of God whenever they so desire. This latter quotation intensifies the question, as the Rebbe points out. Not only is it not very near to us to achieve a love of God, but on the contrary it is possible only for tzaddikim, who are a minority. Surely the Torah does not address only tzaddikim. How then can it state that a love of God is very near to us, indicating that our heart is in our control, that we can divert it from the mundane desires to a love of God? So not only is it not very near to us, it's impossible. Because the Talmud says that only a tzaddik has the ability to control his heart. 
We find in the Torah, Hashem speaks to his heart. And we find Sadikim, who emulate the Creator, who emulate Hashem. We also find the expression, they speak to their heart. Versus, Arasha, Haman said in his heart. So the Medrash points out, because they Tzadik is in control of his heart. So he speaks to his heart, he's in control of his heart. He can pull his heart in every direction he wants. He's in total control of his heart. Because the tzaddik could totally transform his heart. The tzaddik has no problem developing a fiery love for Hashem. With every fiber of his being, every bone in his body. The rasha, the wicked person, the one who's not the tzaddik, is not in control of his heart. His heart is in control of him. So he, his heart speaks to him. His heart controls him. Because he follows his urge. He follows his instincts. He follows his impulse. He doesn't have what it takes to be able to overcome, overcome his heart, his desire. So the Talmud is telling us that only the tzaddik has the ability to control his heart and to develop a love for Hashem. How can the verse say that it's very near for each and every Jew to develop a feeling, a love, an emotion for Hashem? So this is the question. But the words that you may do it referred to a love which merely leads to the fulfillment of the commandments, although, strictly speaking, it is not an actual love. The altar thus interprets the words, that you may do it, as a qualification of the earlier phrase, for it is near to you with your heart. What is near to you with your heart, that is, what sort of love is easily attainable? That love which pertains to action, that you may do it. So the Rebbe is saying, were the verse to be talking about a love, a full-fledged love, a full-blown love, then you have a real question. How can the Torah say that it's easy, it's near for each and every Jew to develop a full-blown, a full-fledged love, a fiery love in your heart, a feeling of awe where your heart uh, palpitates, you actually feel that awe of Hashem. And the feeling of love, where your heart actually aches, physically aches to Hashem. Simply not, it goes against our experience. And the Talmud seconds it, seconds the motion. It's simply contrary to our experience. We can't, it's not easy for us. But the Torah is telling us what kind of love he's describing. The love that he's describing is the type of love that leads one to action. We're not talking about a full-fledged love, a full-blown love. We're talking about a love that's adequate, that's enough to lead you to action. That's enough to make you decide and to follow through on your decision. To lead a Jewish life. And that type of love, as we discussed at length in the previous chapter, is not a full-fledged love. It's, it's the, the conceiving of a love. It's the state of pregnancy. It's the intellectual love. It's the love the way it's still in the mind. The mind understands that this is truth. And this is reality. And I should not be basing my life based on nature, instinct, urge, impulse. I should be basing my life on truth, even if it goes against my nature, even if it goes against my urge, my instinct, and my impulse. Let me behave and act in a way that's consistent with truth, with my truth, with the reality of Hashem. Let me lead a godly life. Let me consistently, 24-7, always, without failure, whether I'm in the mood, I'm not in the mood, I'm aware, I'm not aware, I feel, I don't feel. I should always do the right thing. And this, by the way, is critical when we educate children. Because the message that children are getting today is so detrimental for their own development. Follow your urge. Follow your instinct. Be natural. Nothing could be further than the truth. It's so detrimental to children. 
You have to teach a child. The parent has to teach a child, don't follow your urge. Don't follow your nature. Don't be authentic and genuine. Be authentic and genuine by doing the right thing. Whether you feel like it, you don't feel like it, you're in the mood, you're not in the mood, because it's reality. The reality is that a Jew is married to Hashem. We're two half-souls, we're, we're connected. Whether you feel it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, doesn't change the reality. We are two halves, inseparable. And therefore, act in a way that's consistent with that truth. And when you're married, treat your spouse with, with respect. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel love in your heart or not, act lovingly. Fake it. Act kindly. Act respectfully. Don't be honest and genuine. It's so disingenuous and so such a, a, a poisonous message and such a false message. The Torah way of life is act in a way that's real. Act in a way that's truth. Consistently. And you know what? If you'll act that way, you will actually develop that inner life because that is the truth. You just have to reveal what's, what that inner truth because deep down every Jew could relate to this and could connect with this because it's real. Being Jewish and being godly is real. It's not external behavioral. It's real. And that's the love that he's referring to. He's not talking about a full-fledged love, a fiery love, an inner life of it. That's not within our capacity. It's not what Hashem expects of us. Moshe never said that that's easy. That's simple for every Jew. Every Jew should develop a rich inner life, a fiery love, a passionate love. Who are we kidding? We know it's not so in the Talmud. Verifies that it's not so. What the Torah is saying, look at the verse, which also explains the order of the verse. The type of love that will lead to action. That's it. We're not talking about a full-fledged love. We're talking about a love that's based on comprehension and awareness. And based on that awareness, you make a decision, a firm decision, which is like an intellectual emotion. Based a decision that I am going to live my life based on this truth. Whether I feel it naturally, I don't feel it naturally. That type of love is in the realm of possibility for each and every Jew. And that's why he starts out with a sequence. Remember we asked the question, why does he say first speech, thought? He goes back to thought, then he goes to action. And love and action. But no, he's trying to qualify <coughs> What kind of love are we talking about? We're talking about a love that's connected to action. That's what's near and dear to you. That inner life, that inner life where a Jew can develop an inner feeling, an inner sensitivity, an inner life for godliness on an intellectual level and a cold emotion, intellectual type of emotion, that every Jew is, every Jew is capable of achieving and developing. Without, without exception. Continue. Thereby, we may also understand the order of the words in the verse. The words in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it, refer to the three soul garments of thought, speech, and action, as we have observed earlier. However, the order in which they are listed in the verse is difficult to understand, for it seems to be neither an ascending order, action, speech, thought, nor a descending order, thought, speech, action. Why is a middle faculty speech but first, followed by thought in your heart, and then action, that you may do it? However, according to the interpretation of the words that you may do it, given here, this is readily understood. These words follow immediately after the words 
in your heart, for they serve to explain and to qualify them. The love of which the verse speaks here, in your heart, is that which leads to action, that you may do it. So it's speech and then thought and heart, when he immediately explains what kind of heart are we talking about. Moshe is not telling the Jewish people that it's easy for a Jew, it's near for every Jew to do Torah and mitzvah. That's not what he's coming to tell us. That Hashem expects every Jew to do all 613 mitzvot under all circumstances, for all future generations, all Jews. Moshe is coming to tell us something different. He's coming to tell us that each and every Jew could develop an inner feeling, an inner sensitivity, and could develop an inner life as a Jew. But he immediately qualifies what kind of inner life am I speaking about, not a full-fledged love, fiery love. That's not within the realm of each and every Jew. Let's be honest. But enough to lead you to action. Enough that you have enough of motivation, enough energy to change your behavior and to lead a Jewish life, a consistently Jewish life. That level of an inner life that every Jew could develop. In your mind, through awareness, through understanding. This means the hidden desire of the heart. Even if it does not burn openly like a flaming fire, yet it can still lead one to fulfill the commandments. This matter of arousing a love which remains hidden in the heart is very easy and very near to every man who has a brain in his head. For his mind is under his control even if his heart is not, and with it he can meditate as he pleases, on any subject. If then he will contemplate with it on the greatness of the Almighty, he will inevitably generate, in his mind at least, a love of God, to cleave to him through the performance of his commandments and the study of his Torah. This Torah study and fulfilling the mitzvot constitutes the whole purpose of man, for it is written, I command you these mitzvot that you do them this day. This day referring specifically to this world of physical action. The Alter Rebbe's point is that the main objective in the commandment to love God lies not in the love itself, but in the practical and wholehearted fulfillment of the commandments that is motivated by this love. For the main thing in this world is action. So the main purpose and the whole purpose of a person is, is action, to lead a Jewish life, to fulfill the mitzvot, the study, Hashem's Torah, that is the whole purpose of, of a person's creation. The inner life is just a means to an end, in order to do the mitzvot with vitality, with love, with joy, with passion, with a feeling, with a sensitivity, with energy. So you need to develop an inner life. But it's not that the behavior, the exter- the behavior is there to help you develop a religious sensitivity. The behavior is just an educational tool, a means to an end. The end is to develop a rich inner life. It's just the reverse. The whole purpose of creation is for a Jew to fulfill the Torah and the mitzvah, practically, on a daily basis. That is, that is the essence. That is what life is all about. But in order to do it with feeling, with understanding, that it should engage you, um, it should encompass the whole person. For that, you need an awareness. You need knowledge, you need awareness, you need to study, you need to learn. Only tomorrow, that is, in the afterlife, is a time of reward, as is explained elsewhere. Hence, the true love of God, which is in itself a partial reward for one serving Him, is not as important in this life as the actual performance of the mitzvot, which could be generated even by a love which remains hidden in the mind and heart. 
This then is the love referred to in the verse, for it is very near to you in your heart that you may do it. A love which, though it may not find overt expression in the heart, is yet sufficient to motivate the performance of the mitzvot and within reach of every Jew. So the love of the tzaddik is more like a reward. The love of the tzaddik that feels pleasure and ecstasy and is just, uh, you know, his soul is on fire. This is a reward. This is more a reward. The tzaddik has a taste of the world to come in this world. For the tzaddik, the world to come is not in the future. The world to come is today. The tzaddik is a citizen of the future. And he's just, he's just living past his times, beyond his times. The tzaddik is a citizen of the future. Mashiach will come, we'll all experience this love of delight, this ecstasy, this all-consuming sense of godliness. Today we don't feel it. Just like for the sinner, for the rasha, hell is not in the future. For the sinner, hell is now, in the present. Because he has lost his capacity to enjoy life. The rasha who has everything is, as we learned earlier, Raleigh. He lost his capacity to enjoy life. A person who has no morals and no scruples and no compunction is a person who has lost his capacity, his physical capacity to enjoy life. Yes, he, his hell is in this world. He, he starts already, he gets a head start, he starts in this world. To the tzaddik, the reward is, also starts in this world. His life is one of pleasure and ecstasy, deep, fulfilling, satisfying. The deepest pleasures, all the physical pleasures in the world cannot even come close to the pleasures that the tzaddik feels and experiences on a daily basis. His life is so rich. His life is so rewarding and so deep and profound. And he eagerly looks forward. And he's so alive and so vital that he has his reward in this world. But that's not the main emphasis. The main emphasis in this world is the deed, the action. This is the world of action. The world of deed. And that's why the Torah doesn't place such an emphasis. The Torah says that it's enough that you can develop enough of a rich inner life that will enable you to relate to being Jewish, relate to living a Jewish life, to connect with it. It's something that you should want and you should eagerly anticipate and you should make a firm decision, a firm resolve and follow through in this decision to lead a Jewish life and do it with firm conviction. Even if you don't feel, it's not heartfelt. Even if you don't feel a fiery, passionate love in your heart. But it's a firm conviction. Firm enough that you live accordingly. And, and you have a very clear-cut, very clear sense of direction. You know what you want. You know where you're going. You know what reality is. You know what truth is. And you know what life is all about. And you're very happy to follow on this path. And that's what Hashem asks of us. That's all Hashem asks of us. And Hashem is telling us that this is something that each and every one of us could accomplish, could achieve. There's nothing in our way. Continue. How does this love motivate one to perform the commandments? This the Alter Rebbe now goes on to explain. The mind, by virtue of its inherent nature, is master over the left part of the heart, the seat of the animal soul, whence come one's mundane desires and evil thoughts and over the mouth and the other bodily organs which are the instruments of action. Hence, by having in his mind at least a love of God 
and a desire to fulfill the mitzvot, one can utilize the natural mastery of the mind to overcome the desires of his heart and to motivate his mouth and other bodily organs to study Torah and fulfill its commandments. We thus see that this can be done even by one whose heart is not under his control, as is a tzaddik's. He's saying here that every person has the capacity of mastering the heart, mind over matter. But here he's saying something, something new, something different. Earlier we discussed heart, mind over matter, mastering your heart, that a person could overcome his heart, control his heart, discipline his heart, and force himself to do the right thing, even if it goes against your heart. It goes against your, your instinct. You force yourself to do the right thing. person is in control. You're in control of yourself. So that's a mastery over your behavior. Here he's saying that a person has the mastery over his heart to develop a feeling towards Hashem, to develop an inner feeling towards Hashem, to develop an inner sense in your mind at least, an inner sense of godliness, an inner appreciation of godliness, an inner desire for godliness, at least in your mind. So in a sense, you could develop in your heart, at least you can develop some level of love, some level of, of feeling. At least a feeling in a state of inception, conception, a state of pregnancy. A hidden feeling in the heart, in the mind, a cold feeling. But at least you can develop some, some feeling. See, he's not just talking about that a person has the ability to control his behavior and overcome your instincts, your urges, your impulses. He's saying a person, the mind has the ability to develop an inner feeling towards Hashem. An inner sense of love towards Hashem. And that's something that each and every Jew can accomplish. But that's the difference between the tzaddik. The tzaddik is in total control of his heart. The tzaddik's heart is, is he can control his heart at will. The tzaddik, his heart is in flame. His passion is on fire. Because he has totally controlled his, his, his heart, transformed his heart. He has the ability to totally direct his heart. Just like we can control our behavior, the tzaddik can totally control his heart. He pulls his heart in every direction he wants. And he wants his heart to feel a fiery love for Hashem, a palpable love for Hashem, a palpable feeling of Hashem. The tzaddik is in total control of his inner, innermost being, his innermost heart, his conscious, his subconscious. That's the tzaddik. The rest of us, and then you have the bain, the bain in it. You have certain bain in him. The average Jews, certain Jews, that do have an ability to develop a fiery love for Hashem. They have the capacity to develop full-blown, mature love. They have the capacity, not only in godly in relation to godly things, they have the capacity in other areas in their life. They just have the capacity to develop full-blown, full mature feeling. But many of us and most of us don't have the capacity. God did not give us that capacity. We don't have the capacity to develop full-blown, mature feelings. So our feelings are like vague, abstract, in a state of pregnancy, in a state of conception, but we can't bring it to full term. So they're underdeveloped, they're, 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 in, they're concealed, but that love, every Jew has the capacity to develop that type of love, a hidden love, a concealed love, an underdeveloped love, an intellectual love, a cold love, but we have the capacity to develop that love, that inclination, that conviction, firm conviction, and decisive, and to follow through on that conviction, and to live a life accordingly.
and not to be deterred by your nature, not to allow yourself just to follow urges and instincts in nature, but to overcome your nature, rise above your nature, light up that darkness with the light of emes, with the light of godliness, of Torah and mitzvah. That's, that capacity, that's within every Jew's capacity to accomplish and to achieve. Hashem asks of every Jew not only to fulfill the Torah and mitzvah superficially, mechanically, Hashem expects of each and every Jew and asks of each and every Jew. And He promises us and tells us, He gives us the strength that each and every Jew, it's within our reach, it's within our capacity to develop this, to develop an inner life, an inner feeling, an inner sensitivity for Yiddishkeit. And that begins with awareness, understanding, learning, and their awareness. And then to develop that awareness into conviction, which can, will lead us to action, thought, speech, and action. And Hashem will connect it to, and Hashem will look deep down inside our heart and connect it to, and consider the action as if they're alive, they're passionate, they're joyful. And the mitzvot will soar, and they will elevate us in the process as well. Um, next week we'll learn, he'll ask the question, he leaves us with a question. He says, if, as we've just learned earlier, that the Russia, his heart is not in his possession. Russia's heart is not in his, in his control. The average Jew, he says, the heart is in his control. Although the Medrash says only the Tzaddik's heart is in his control. So the average Jew's heart is not in his control. And then the Medrash continues, and the Russia's heart is not in his control. Which means that the average Jew's heart is in his control. So make up your mind, it's a contradiction. Whose heart is in his control? Only the Tzaddik's heart is in control? Or every Jew's heart is in control? Why do they say only the Tzaddik? And only the Russia's heart is not in control? Because we're talking about different levels. The Tzaddik is in total control of his heart. He can transform his heart. He can even transform his ego, even the subconscious. That only the tzaddik's domain, only the tzaddik has that ability. The simple Jew doesn't have that ability. On the other hand, the Russia, the Russia's heart is totally out of his control. He has zero control over his heart. Versus the Benini, the average Jew, has the ability, the capacity to control his heart, to develop an inner sensitivity, to develop at least a conviction, to develop at least an intellectual emotion, to develop some sort of emotion, some sort of of emotion, at least in the conceptual state, towards Hashem. The Russia doesn't have that capacity. The question is, what do you mean? The Torah and Mitzvot were not only given for the Tzaddik, the Torah and Mitzvot were given to all Jews. Moshe is saying that to be Jewish and to act like a Jew, and not only to act like a Jew, but even to develop a feeling towards being Jewish, an inner life is something that's within reach of each and every Jew. And Torah is eternal. Torah is speaking to each and every Jew under all circumstances. And here the Medrash is telling us it is a whole category. This is a Russia whose heart is totally out of his control. He doesn't even have the capacity to develop the minimal, the minimal level of love that we're talking about here. A level of love that, that, that can compel you to lead a Jewish life. Compel you to action. To change your behavior. To think like a Jew, speak like a Jew. And like. If the Russia doesn't have that capacity, so how can the Torah say that being Jewish is something that's close to each and every Jew. There is a Russia who, to him, it's not close. He doesn't have the capacity. So that's the question 
he asks, and uh, we'll continue, continue it next week.